Mr. Paul Vallis is a senior advisor for the Illinois Policy Institute. Of course, he ran for Chicago mayor and uh, also was previously budget director for the city and CEO of Chicago Public Schools. A very familiar name, a very familiar voice on my radio show, Steve Dale's Other World. Hello, Paul Vallis. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Steve. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you. So I guess we could just jump into it here. Chicago already grappling with a daunting budget deficit of $538 million for the fiscal year 2024 and a possible $1.9 billion shortfall by 2026 now faces a crisis exasperated by the unchecking surge of new immigrant arrivals. Do those words and numbers sound familiar to you? Yeah, they do very much so. And of course, we had another post-election budget surprise. As you remember, uh, the mayor was forecasting a, a budget deficit of less than $100 million, um, uh, this coming year. And then, of course, a, a very, very small and shrinking long-term structural deficit. And, of course, you know, as ha- seems to happen uh, and during election cycles, um, really good news before the election, terrible news after the election. So I wasn't surprised. I always felt that the city's financial situation was far worse than advertised. So uh, is it far worse than advertised? If you watch the budget address given by Mayor Brandon Johnson, that feeling doesn't come across, but he doesn't offer the numbers, and you don't see the exact specific dollars being lost, according to you. Well, you know, look, if I can characterize his budget, um, you know, <laughs> you you and I, of course, are old enough to remember the old Bob Dylan song, uh, you know, the times are changing. Yes. Well, I would characterize this budget as times aren't a changing. Because it, 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 it's a throwback to the budgets we've seen in the past, the budgets of Daly, the budgets of Whitefoot, uh, the, the budgets of Emanuel, the budgets of Whitefoot, these political budgets that are not really part of any long-term financial plan and that are not vehicles for long-term investment. Their budgets where they close the budget cap, sometimes using exhausting short-lived surpluses that they have. In this case, they're also dipping in to tax increment financing surpluses are taking record record uh, monies from the tax increment financing program. And, of course, they're, they're, they're spending down the, the balance of the COVID money. So it's really kind of another stopgap measure that's going to get them through this fiscal year. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I think many of the tax increases uh, that, that the mayor forecasted in his campaign uh, in which he talked about and which his supporters have been advocating for, uh, will probably be deferred for another year. But this will get them through the first year. Let me point out, though, that, um, you know, if, if you read Fran Spielman's article or the articles that have been written in the Tribune, this budget, uh, which was supposed to be this this turning point in, 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 in investments in long underserved communities, the net increase in, in funding for programs uh, beyond what, what Lightfoot was spending in this $10.6 billion budget is $26 million. So uh, what does it pay for? Um, you remember uh, during the campaign, all the candidates called for the reopening of all the mental health centers. Well, they're going to open two, and then they're going to study whether or not they're going to open the rest. The, uh, the, the reestablishment of the uh, 
uh, Department of the Environment consists of uh, them taking existing employees who are working on environmental issues, adding another four positions, and christening it a Department of the Environment. The so-called investment in youth jobs is, I think, 11% in the uh, short-lived youth jobs summer program, summer youth jobs program. So, you know, I, I have to ask myself, where's the beef? So while they're spending $26 million in new money on investing in people, remember this was supposed to be the administration that was going to invest in people, mm-hmm. they're spending $150 million in this budget uh, uh, in additional monies for the Sanctuary City program, which continues to basically uh, welcome migrants with really no restrictions. It's an open-ended program. The mayor's supporters within the city council, city council president, the city council, a floor leader and others, want unlimited uh, migration into the city. Uh, they blame America's racist foreign policies for the current migrant crisis. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and so really what you're getting is a budget that does very little uh, beyond what Lightfoot was doing to invest in the communities and does a whole lot to continue this, this unlimited sanctuary city policy of welcoming immigrants and extending to them full benefits. Also, what's also in this budget, which people don't realize, is a massive windfall for Stacey D. Davis Gates, Chicago Teachers Union, and the Chicago Public Schools. Um, the mayor declares a tip surplus of $438 million. Tax and financing is the program takes money um, uh, from these taxing districts. Uh, or it takes money from these tip districts, and it and it uses the revenue growth in those districts to fund economic development initiatives. And 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 the city regularly will take uh, surplus revenues or unspent revenues, and, and they will then use that those revenues to, to, for for other means. Um, the city uh, uh, surplus will give the Chicago Teachers Union the, the will give the schools another two hundred and twenty six million dollars. So they're going to get a $226 million windfall. Let me point out that the, the tax increment financing program, uh, when it takes property taxes off the top, um, does not affect uh, either the city or the school district's budgets because the school district and the city's property tax rates rise to meet their levy requests. So the more money that the TIF programs take away from local governments, the higher your property taxes go. When they declare the surplus, and that surplus goes back to those taxing districts, that surplus can be used to abate those property tax increases. Uh, but they're they're not. They're being used for more spending. So this budget gives the, the uh, Chicago Public Schools $226 million in windfall pro- uh, uh, property tax revenues on top of the $300 million increase in property taxes that the school districts impose this year. And then he does something else in his budget for for the union. Uh, he has the city pick up the school district's share of the, uh, of the uh, employee pension contribution uh, for the municipal, uh, for, for those non-teachers uh, uh, who work in the Chicago Public Schools or who are in the municipal, uh, the city's municipal retirement system. So he gives them $226 million in windfall TIF monies, and then he adds another $46 million 
by having the city, the hard-pressed, financially stressed city, pick up another $46 million, uh, of the employee's share of the uh, of the school district's pension contributions for non-teachers. So it's literally a $271 million windfall for the schools. And none so of that... In the meantime, on the one hand... None of that should be... None of that should yeah, be a surprise. Thank you. None of that uh, should be a surprise in a sense, because Mayor Johnson would not be called Mayor Johnson, I suppose, if it wasn't for the support of the Chicago Teachers Union. Is this simply payback? Yeah, sure it is. Sure it is. But you know, and why should the school district become the cash cow for the Chicago Public Schools? A school district that's already getting 54 percent of all of our property taxes. 25% of all the money that the state spends on K-12 education and 40% of all the federal dollars that go to public education in the entire state of Illinois go to the Chicago Public Schools. They're spending $30,000 per student, despite the fact uh, and, and that amount of money spent per student has dramatically increased the last four years, despite the fact that they've lost 11% enrollment. So really, the school, the the uh, the city has become the bank, uh, you know, for you know, uh, has has become the biggest subsidizer uh, of the Chicago public schools beyond what the state gives them, what the federal government gives them, and what their own tax levies give them. You know, the mayor talks about holding the line on property taxes, but the bottom line is he didn't have the board hold the line on property taxes at the Chicago public schools, the mayoral controlled school board has presided over another dramatic increase in property taxes uh, this year in, in this year's school budget. So this budget is 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 a, a one-year political document that is masquerading as his down payment on investing uh, in uh, in the mayor's kind of progressive agenda, but yet only only spends pennies in uh, by comparison in in new dollars for community investment. Uh, and, and, but yet spends uh, uh, another $150 million uh, on migrant services uh, because of the unrestricted sanctuary city programs and provides a massive, probably the largest windfall to the Chicago Public Schools, the largest windfall that, that they have ever received. That's the mayor's budget. Well, you called uh, in one of your op-ed pieces Chicago's sanctuary city program a fiscal Armageddon. That's pretty strong language. Well, look, you know, they, uh, they're projecting, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Dale, they're projecting that um, um, they could spend, by the end of next year, uh, $345 million on, on migrant programs. I mean, uh, uh, why? I mean, you know, unlimited migration, they're coming in, uh, I mean, it's, it's, what are we up to? Seventeen thousand now, and with no end in sight. Uh, you, you simply, just as obviously, we need to be able to control our borders. And that just does not include our national borders, but it also includes our city borders. So, you know, are they sending migrants del- deliberately uh, to certain cities like New York and and Chicago and others? Absolutely. Have we literally invited them to? Absolutely. The attitude among the city council leadership. I mean, this is the same. See, this is the same progressive leadership that that was criticizing uh, Israel's response to Hamas and refused to sign on to a resolution condemning not the Palestinians but condemning Hamas 
for these terrorist strikes that killed 1,200 civilians. Well, they did. They uh, did. Ul- they did ultimately sign Alderman Silverstein's. Uh, uh, what, what, I'm not sure. It's not a proposal. It's a document of a condemnation. Yeah, her well, they ultimately passed it, but uh, but the mayor's leadership team uh, uh, opposed it. They wanted to amend it. They wanted a nuanced response to the blatant, indiscriminate killing of uh, of, uh, of of Israelis. You know, I guess you know if you can believe it. But the point is, that's the attitude. Look. The mayor in his budget address once down, once again doubled down uh, uh, that uh, Chicago is going to remain a welcoming city and blamed American foreign policy, American foreign policies, uh, um, America's racist foreign policies for the current migration crisis. So let's see if I figured this right. You know, the uh, uh, a big part of the crisis is fueled by uh, by a, a uh, by by the migration of. Uh, of thousands of individuals from Venezuela who are fleeing that disaster, that disastrously failed uh, socialist state to come and live uh, and 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 uh, make their futures uh, in uh, in uh, in the United States. So so so, but but I guess we're responsible for them fleeing their country to come and live in our country. So I'm, you know, so that's the mindset. I'm, I'm just describing the mindset. Uh, all you have to do is Google and just listen to the words coming out of their mouths. So we have this group, and look, they want, uh, they want unlimited uh, migration. They want to extend the benefits um, uh, that are are currently uh, available to exist to uh, to current Chicagoans, uh, and they're not. They're not telling the federal government to control the borders. They're not going to Texas and demanding that Abbott, uh, Governor Abbott, stop using taxpayers' funds to basically tr- bus people to uh, Illinois and Chicago. No, they want more money. They want more funding uh, because uh, the mayor's own city council leadership has specifically said we need more my uh, we need more immigrants rather than fewer immigrants and. The bottom line is we're going to continue to pay through the nose, and it's going to continue to to uh, 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 you know uh, have a adverse impact on the budget. And you're going to see it in higher property taxes. And you're going to see it in less, not more, investment in communities that have been long neglected. Well, that's the thing. So, uh, in many communities, their gymnasium or whatever it might be is actually now being used to house migrants. Uh, places where there were park district activities now being used to house migrants. And those who live there say, this flies in the face of mayor of what you said about young people. Let's keep them busy doing these things rather than going downtown and creating havoc. Now, I'm not sure that theory holds water anyway, but if those facilities are not available, that seems contradictory. Well, just imagine what we could do... um it's projected we will have spent through next year $345 million. Even though he's put $150 million more in the budget, his own floor leader, uh, his own city council floor leader, has basically said that's probably half of what is needed, and we might have to increase property taxes to cover the rest. I mean, think about that for a second. Uh, imagine if we had spent $345 million on youth employment programs, on, on programs for returning citizens. Returning citizens, I'm talking about individuals 
who are returning from incarceration. What if we, uh, I mean, uh, what if we had op- reopened all the mental health centers and at the same time open opioid and drug addiction centers? I mean, there are so many things that we could have done with that money that's now being, in effect, just, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it's being spent on a whole new obligation that was self-imposed. But uh, how this well... This is the crisis of our own... Well, I... Mean, I, I this I, is a crisis... Go, go. How well is it being spent? So when you talk to the migrants themselves, uh, and I have with my broken Spanish or my attempts, uh, I, I have heard that their children actually, because they're supposed to be welcomed into the Chicago public school system, but they, in reality, it's not happening. They don't know how to do that. Work permits are supposed to be happening, but I, exactly. uh, that, but it doesn't seem to be the case again on the street in reality. And living on the street, when you talk to folks, they say, in some cases, and I haven't talked to everyone, and this is no, in no way an official poll, but the few I've talked to say, you know, life was better in Venezuela. We didn't, it was bad, but we didn't have to sleep on the street, and they're worried about winter coming. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. one facility in my neighborhood, I offered a heating air conditioning guy who would work for free to come out to do some things, a legitimate who just cares, you know, and he couldn't even get the first base, so to speak, because the city is so disorganized. I, I have a friend who is a retired professor who said, you know what, I can offer language lessons. And uh, he's, again, it's English, a second language, that would be a good thing. And again, it's just no one has said no, but it seems that the disorganization has handcuffed anybody from doing anything to even help, let alone those people from bettering themselves. Can you comment on all that? Well, look, you know, there's absolutely no coordination of city services. Look, you know, I, I mean, the mayor was lasted four years as a teacher before becoming a union organizer. So, you know, clearly he has no management chops per se. And I haven't been impressed with many of his uh, appoint, uh, appointees. There, there clearly is no real coordination. I, I mean, when you have to basically build tents uh, and create tent cities, and 10 campuses uh, where they're going to be housing like a thousand people at a time. Look, I was in the service for 13 years. You know, I'm all the veterans in my family can tell you how difficult it is for soldiers to be out there in the field and uh, living and operating out of tents, uh, you know, let alone having families, uh, America's cold winters. Look, uh, they've got to control the borders. There's no doubt about it, but the city has, has got to basically say, uh, there's going to be a limit to the number of migrants that we are going to welcome. And, and Pritzker's got to get into the game, too, because these buses that are coming, they're not flying to Chicago. They're they are not landing in Midway and O'Hare. They're taking buses, and they're coming up the interstate. And the state the state has to have a program of intercepting those buses. There's National Guard armories up and down the interstate throughout the state. Uh, uh, there are places where the immigrants uh, can be housed and screened and, uh, you know, before those, uh, um, before making their way further north, I mean, the state's got to get into the game. You can use, they can use the state police or for that matter, the National Guard. And, 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 and it's, uh, it has to be made clear to Abbott that if he's going to put, uh, and, and other governors who, who would put immigrants on buses and send them to Chicago, uh, spending their own taxpayers' money to do that, that, uh, they're going to be sent back. You know, they're going to be sent back. And you do that two or three times, 
and you know it's, they're not going to be coming anymore. So we've got to get control on the number of migrants. We've got to cap the number of migrants that are coming to the city, and then we've got to do a couple other things. And look, I've been through these these type of crises in the Chicago Public Schools in the '90s when we you had the war uh, in the Balkans. We had a huge huge influx of uh, immigrants from the Balkans, Bosnians and stuff like that, thousands. We had to integrate them. We had to get them into the schools. We were able to do it seamlessly. I, of course, uh, uh, in in Philadelphia and in, in, in later on in New Orleans, uh, after the devastating earthquake uh, in Haiti, you had this huge infusion of Haitian immigrants and things like that that we had to house. You know, as you're familiar with the work I did in Haiti, carrying Sean Penn's organization, CORE, which took care of about 50,000 displaced Haitians uh, in Haiti uh, after the devastating earthquake of 2005. So the bottom line is we have no strategy for doing it. So we've got to limit the number that are coming in. The state has got to get into the game at intercepting these buses downstate as they make their way up so they can be screened and processed and and we can assess what the needs are and things like that. So there's there's a, a, a some coordination of the arrival. Uh, uh, and 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 then for the immigrants that are here, uh, we've got to we've got to provide them with temporary work visas so that they can work. Right now, the hospitality industry. If you talk to the restaurant association, Chicago Restaurant Association, they will tell you that they've got thousands of vacancies. The restaurants, hospitality industry, are looking to fill vacancies. They they're looking for workers. That's right, and and but that's not but that's not a city issue. I don't think, Paul Vallis. I, I think that's more of a federal issue. And and the it government, is. the federal government, has said that I I believe at least Venezuelans can get work permits, but can they really? It's not happening, or it doesn't seem to be. Look, Steve, we could award we could award work permits on our own. Like you know, think of it the or that. Is it irony or is it hypocrisy? Here, on the one hand, we thump our chests and we say, we're a sanctuary city. We're not going to cooperate with the federal government. We're not going to cooperate with ICE. We're not going to enforce immigration laws. The federal government's not going to have access to records. Uh, We're not. Even if it involves criminals trying to track down immigrants who who might be criminals. And I'm not trying to stereotype. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to stereotype. Uh, uh, but, But the bottom line is there's no cooperation. We as a sanctuary city... We're a welcoming city, and we're not going to cooperate with the federal government at all. And then on the other hand, we say, oh, my God, we, we, we can't let them work. We can't give them work permits. We don't have permission from the federal government. I mean, first of all, we're a home rule city, okay? If we wanted to, we as a city could issue work permits. Really? If you wanted to fire the federal government, fire them on the work permits, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? I mean, the bottom line is we could give people temporary work permits, so that they could work, so that they could be generating income, so that they could find the housing and pay for the housing. Uh, uh, but we're not. We're not doing that. We're welcoming them here, and then we're 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 blocking uh, the ability of any of them to go out and work. Those who are able-bodied, they, those who have skills, etc. Uh, you know, despite the fact that that that, that there are 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 the hospitality industry and the restaurants. Uh, they have a severe labor shortages, and so that's just a ridiculousness. It's just a lack of vision. So, so what do we want? We, we want them to come and, and be permanent dependents, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, of the government. 
uh, up to taxpayers in Chicago. So it's really ridiculous. They're they're just clueless. The the incompetency is just is mind numbing. Well, I want to switch topics because we only have a couple minutes here. Uh, so I saw the entire address, forty minutes approximately, uh, that Mayor Johnson gave. I'm talking about his proposal for his new budget, and it was 25 minutes in. I mean, it was more than halfway done when he finally mentioned what I believe is the most pressing issue for most Chicagoans, and that is simply feel feeling safe in their own neighborhood. Uh, and right. it, it took him quite a So can you comment on... Uh, so the good news is that I believe our hom- homicide rate is down a bit, but all other crimes pretty much are up. Well, you know, let me point out that the murder rate and the shooting rates are at a higher sh- uh, threshold. So if they say, well, homicides are down 11%, but they're still up like 25% from 2019. Uh, but... Uh, but for the year, um, violent crime is up another 26%. I think since 2020, it's up 45%. And, and let me point out that, that those statistics are probably uh, 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 they, they are probably short of what the actual numbers are because the police are only responding to 52% of the high-priority 911 calls. In other words, um, um, Warrior Points pointed out that that through, I think, uh, the first of the month, there were 252,000 high-priority 911 calls that came in, for which there was not an officer available to respond. So the bottom line is, uh, crime uh, is, uh, the the crime pandemic is worsening, and and it's impacting, it's impacting uh, the entire city. Let me tell you what his budget does uh, his what his budget does is it makes no promise about filling the existing police vacancies, which are hovering at about a thousand. And what the mayor also wants to do in his budget is he wants to cannibalize almost 400 police vacancies and hire civilians instead. We're still trying to figure out what he wants those civilians to do. Part of it is implement a consent decree or whatever. So so let's. See if we get it straight. We're already short a thousand cops. When you add the uh, uh, those vacancies that that Lightfoot got rid of uh, uh, during her administration, we're actually down almost seventeen hundred since twenty nineteen. Well, now the mayor wants to take about four hundred of those uh, police officer vacancies and not fill them with cops, but fill them with civilians. Um, you know, it's uh, believe me, there is no public safety strategy. Uh, I don't see it. And and the so-called treatment but trauma uh, 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 um, uh, program uh, con- consists of reopening what two mental health centers, uh, you know, and and uh, and continuing, you know, the mayor's program uh, uh, for obviously having alternatives to the police responding to all the 911 calls, which I think is totally appropriate, totally needed. But the bottom line is there's no, uh, I mean, there's no real comprehensive public safety strategy. I'm not surprised. It took him 20, 25 minutes to get into public safety. It certainly wasn't a priority of his during the campaign. And right now we've got a police budget uh, that may 
may not be defunded in dollar amount, uh, but but with the failure to fill vacancies and and and, uh, uh, and, and with the cannibalizing of hundreds of existing positions, sorry, civilians instead for God knows what. Clearly, that's going to have the effect of defunding. We're going to have a police department with fewer resources, fewer assets, uh, and the police department that's going to demand more of its remaining uh, officers. Ultimately, the city will pay more because the city will have to continue to pay record amounts of money and overtime for police to work because of the severe shortages that are that exist. Which demoralizes morale just a little bit. I want to end this on a positive note, though. You have been talking for as long as I've known you about getting lead out of water in Chicago. It's it's an issue that isn't talked about every day, but it certainly is an important issue. And it seems that Mayor Brandon Johnson wants to do the same. Yeah, well, what he wants to do is he wants to do what they've been doing. He's going to he's appropriating some money to do the lead pipe replacements. Uh, I'm all for it, but great. At that rate, it'll take us about 100 years to replace the lead pipes, which means we'll have a a couple more generations of uh, Chicagoans um, being poisoned by lead. And there is now irrefutable uh, evidence that there's a direct correlation between lead contamination, particularly among young people, uh, and and violence. There's a direct link between lead and violence. Uh, what, What I said five years ago, and what I've written about time and time again, is the importance of the water department uh, providing water filtration devices for homes that cannot afford bottled water and cannot afford those devices on their own. Um, um, Water filtration devices can get uh, virtually all the lead out. There are also, and the Tribune, Michael Hawthorne, the Tribune, some great work on this, uh, uh, writing about lead contamination and other contaminants. There are also other cancer-causing contaminants in Chicago's drinking water, too. So just replacing the lead pipes doesn't get at that issue. The water filtration, the, the type of water filters, and they're very affordable, they're very reasonable. Those type of water filters uh, can get like 99.9% of all the contaminants out. So, so that would be my priority because it's going to take We'll all be dead and buried, and our children will probably be gone, uh, and our grandchildren will be our age now by the time they make a, a dent at getting these lead pipes replaced. Well, the important thing right now is to get the water filtration devices in the houses. The, uh, the Biden administration appropriated billions of dollars uh, in, in monies for lead removal from the drinking water. There's federal and state funding out there that can be secured to purchase these devices, which instantly costs a fraction of what the lead pipe replacement costs. I I believe the lead pipes need to be replaced, Uh, but I think what we need to do is what Newark did uh, and what Flint did because of their water crises and their crisis in lead and other contaminants was they basically got uh, water filtration systems into the hot port, these poor houses, into the schools, into the churches, into the daycare centers. And, and that's something that we can do in a year uh, rather than wait for another, rather than poison kits for another generation. Okay, I thought I was ending on a positive note, but <laughs> maybe not. Paul Vallis, nevertheless, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. 
Uh, you are a senior advisor for the Illinois Policy Institute. When it comes to policy, you express many in great detail, and uh, I am certain that we will be talking soon. Well, thanks, Steve. And, and, and let me point out that, you know, the positive message here is there are solutions, because for every single issue that you raise, while obviously I have, I, I offered my, uh, you know, what I think my my honest uh, constructive assessment of what the city's not doing. I also, within that same context, talked about what the city can do. Uh, you know, the city's, you know, the problems of blood in the drinking water, the problems of getting a handle on the um, on the great migration, etc. They're financial problems because we've made them financial problems, yet there are non-financial solutions that can address those issues. And that's what I tried to to, to do when I talk about, when I talk about uh, um, at, at least controlling the number of migrants coming in so that they can be processed of the city issuing work permits so we can get them working and integrated into the workforce, filling needed uh, job uh, vacancies that, that exist, particularly in restaurants, hospitality industry. And, and something as simple as pre-qualifying uh, high-quality water filtration systems and making those home filters available up to poor homes in Chicago. So there for, are solutions. So for, folks that want, so for folks that want to hear more of the Paul Vallis solutions, how can people find you? Uh, you know, they can Google Illinois Policy. If they Google Illinois Policy, uh, there's a section... Uh, on their website that uh, that has uh, it's Illinois Policy Research, and it lays out all the articles by me and many others who have been providing commentary and have been offering uh, recommendations and suggestions. So, and I know if, that if, if, if the Illinois Policy website it's it's a it's a really great resource for good sound policy uh, advice. And I know people can find you on Twitter and on Facebook, and periodically right here on WGN Radio. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Paul Vallis. Thank you, my friend.